0: Hello everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Public Discourse. Happy New Year everyone. It's 2022. It's our first um, official episode outside of the lunch session of Public Discourse. Uh, We have a very special episode today. We'll be talking about this wonderful topic of real estate, which is very... Important in all our lives. We all live in houses. We all live in somewhere a shelter. So today uh, we're this episode of public discourse. We have a special guest. His name is David Morales who will be speaking on a topic that will be of interest of just everyone listening. Over the past two years, probably one of the most topics has to be COVID. Maybe the second most popular topic though could be very well real estate. David not only has an extensive background in finance and accounting and active in the Filipino community, but for the past several years has been a full-time Northern Virginia realtor licensed in Virginia and in Maryland. Today, he'll be fielding in a scripted Ask Me Anything About Real Estate session from me, Sancho, and Ricardo, my co-host, from the perspective of one person who'll be buying a home in the near future and one person who recently bought a home. After listening to this podcast, anyone can reach out to David their own questions, his number, and I'll repeat this at the end, which is 703-625-1592. And now let's begin. So let me introduce David. So go, go ahead you can introduce yourself.
1: Thank you, Sancho. And uh, thank you, Ricardo, for inviting me here. Uh, as Sancho mentioned, my name is David Morales. I'm a realtor with Sampson Properties, which is one of the largest, fastest growing, especially in this area, uh, brokerages, um, active in multiple states, Uh, including Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, I believe uh, soon to be Delaware as well. Um, And uh, I've I've been doing real estate for several years now, and um, I made the um, unique jump from full-time finance and accounting to full-time realtor um, overnight in 2018. So that was uh, an interesting jump and um, looking forward to fielding the uh, the questions from you, Sancho, and you, Ricardo. And I think it's going to be something that everyone can learn something from. So hopefully uh, you guys enjoy the, uh, the uh, Q&A session.
2: Yeah, man, I think uh, absolutely. I think this is going to be very informative. I think we're going to learn a lot. I think our listeners are going to learn a lot. And they're definitely going to appreciate the time you took to talk to us. So i want to start with something easy, you know, something every single first time homebuyer is thinking. And that's what is, in your experience, the most important thing that I should know, consider or be wary of uh, when I'm purchasing my first home or even a home in general. Maybe I'm on my second purchase. And uh, although the first one went well, uh, maybe there's something I still can learn.
1: That's a great question, Ricardo. So where I would start would be basically to turn it around and and every situation is unique, just like every home is unique. So with each of my clients and potential customers, the first thing I'm going to ask them is, what's important to you? So if you have a family, you're going to be wanting to know about the school districts. If you want um, a short commute, you're going to want a place close to work. And the perfect house um, might be two different houses depending on your needs.
2: What is something you think that every homebuyer should know that? Honestly surprises you when uh, you deal with clients that they don't.
1: Yeah, so that's a great question, Ricardo. So one one thing that I, I always do when I start off working with clients is I ask them, what was your experience prior to meeting me and and starting to work with me? Uh, inevitably, you know. Um, and the Internet has a ton of information. And that that's it's a double-edged sword. It can be good and bad because you know we have the free websites. Um, people think that you know everything is is out there, and they they don't need a real estate professional. Um, so you know they're looking on Zillow, Trulia, Realtor, and what it, what inevitably inevitably happens is they're finding too much information. So they're they're finding not only houses that are available, but they're also unknowingly finding houses that are no longer available and you know sifting through 40 you know 30 40 houses online and trying to get to the bottom of which ones are really available when are these people going to get back to me um you know those are the kind of things that it's it's the story that i hear very often right before you know individuals start working with me and this could go on for three months and when they start working with a a good real estate professional. Um, not only do they learn that you know, on one hand, as you learned, Ricardo, um, the seller typically pays for the commissions on both sides. Um, so really when you're a buyer or a tenant looking for uh, a rental, <laughs> the commission for the most part is already taken care of by the other side. So that's one thing that you know, every buyer and potential tenant. Needs to know you know it's so they're, they're, they're no one wants to pay fees, but when the fee is already paid for by the other side, you know, primarily, um, that's a good thing to know. And it's, a, and it's an important thing to know because then you're more likely to work with a real estate professional. And, and you know, in one example for a past client who spent three months searching day in and day out, mm-hmm. um, they started working with me. I found them a place uh, inside of a week. So we started the search, we went through my process, uh, and it's just because I see this day in and day out, so I I know exactly how to find what they're looking for, and it takes a lot of listening. So understanding what's most important to the client, and then turning that into a search. Which, you know, there are thousands of agents out there, and we all have access to the same MLS. However, yeah. you know, we hear things differently from the clients. So if you talk to ten different agents, you may get ten different sets of results. So that's one thing to keep in mind, you know, when you're working with a real estate professional and um, versus doing a search on your own, um, you know, the results can be very, very different. And the results can be very different when you're doing your own search, because you're going to have limited filters using those free sites um, Mm -hmm. because it's free. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to have the most general information. um, And as as properties come off the market, especially on the free sites, Those owners and those landlords don't necessarily care what happens to the data afterwards because it's free for them to post. And and people are still searching months and years later, looking at the perfect house that was sold months ago. So um, in MLS, you're not going to see that.
2: Mm -hmm. I was going to say, it's it's interesting that you say that. um, And I'll let you jump in on the next question, Sacha. Uh, But it's interesting that you say that because you know, I had the exact opposite experience in which you uh-huh. took here. And that's, um, I got in contact with the real estate agent even before I started looking at homes. Um, you know, I immediately applied for the loan. And then uh, once that came through, um, you know, I, like I said, I immediately talked with this real estate agent. And similar to what you said, you know, um, where you found them homes in a week, that was my same experience. I mean, from beginning to end, I think the entire home buying process maybe it took about a month and a half, maybe, you know, and I, and I, and to be honest with you, I think that's too much time. I think it was closer to a month. So, uh, it's really interesting to hear that people are taking, uh, the free route and they're, you know, they're clearly getting such negative results, but, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about.
0: Yeah, thanks both. Yeah, it was great information. Always knowledgeable, so, uh, David, you know, uh, I think I want to, kind of rewind and I want to for our listeners who are who are wondering and I'll let you take over in this question David so what is a real estate you know number one what is a real estate so people will know what we're actually what are we actually talking about
1: so real estate is real property as opposed to personal property so it's it can be land you know it can be land it can be house and a lot um, you know and it can be those are that's the majority of it so when people think about real estate transactions um you know it's it's uh anything that's not personal
0: property okay so if there's a real estate is there a fake estate (laughs) i'll say
1: yes since i'm in real estate i'll say yes
0: this what is a fake estate then
1: anything that's not real estate (laughs)
2: well, let me i I don't want to get us too too off traffic or sorry, too off traffic too off topic, but uh, I, if you've been following you know, like web news and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um and what's going on in like the crypto world, there's like virtual real estate
0: oh, there is that one.
2: these companies are they're paying millions of dollars for, and we're talking about digital real estate. This isn't real, but um. It's fake yeah exactly what they're anticipating you know they're gonna they're gonna reap financial benefits from it in the future but you know it's kind of crazy to think about but uh anyways sorry so you were asking Sancho?
0: no i was like i'm curious about that and do you, have you heard about this david before this fake estate that ricardo's talking about this virtual wow. real estate is that is that uh
2: i was gonna say i mean that's yeah that's one way to. i mean i've heard it be called virtual real estate um but i'm sure they're not really the same thing what i'm talking about is I don't even know what I'm talking about. It's like digital space that people can buy to advertise their stuff, um, and right now there's no real value to it, um, but they're paying billions of dollars for it for whatever reason.
0: Like, have you heard but, about this, David? Yeah, Dave. Do you know anything about it? I, I have.
1: There? So it's um, you know, people are basically trying to monetize um, intellectual property. So that's what's happening there, um, and especially when you combine that with blockchain technology, which is. You know you can't uh, because of the authentication involved, um, y- you know uh, there's a lot more legitimacy in you know when it's when there's blockchain technology. It isn't just a you know something that came up and it can't be validated or authenticated. um so when you know when something can be validated and authenticated, um, it does have value, and that value is what people are trying to monetize. So especially with Intellectual property. You can think of, um, you know, um, those those gifts or, or um, you know icons that are, you know, the tokens that uh, people NFTs. can buy.
3: Yeah, NFTs, tokens, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so that's uh, that's one example of a way that people are trying to monetize, you know, um, you know, intellectual property, um, things that are non tangible.
0: Okay. I mean, since we're talking about NFTs and you mentioned Bitcoin and blockchain technology, mm-hmm. so it seems like that's like the hot new investment, right? And it seems like the old
2: It's not the old, hot
0: new investment. I know it's not, not if
2: you're following new. the news recently, it is I certainly not, not the hot
0: new investment. Investments in general are not as hot, which is actually perfect for this question. Because it is real estate really the best investment? Because as we know right now, the stock market's down. I've lost so much money in my mutual funds. And in this, as we saw, the Bitcoin and all crypto are going down as well. But real estate is not really going down, right? Is that like, is that, does that make, you think, David, in your opinion, is real estate the best investment anyone can ever get?
1: So if, if you're talking long term, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that real estate is absolutely the way to go. Um, one example that's very often given when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to investments um you know when you look at McDonald's corporation um you know the way that M- McDonald's has made their money has not been through selling fries and you know and selling burgers you know however many billions of burgers it's actually the acquisition of real estate and property oh. Um, so if you look at and that's that's a little known fact but um that's how McDonald's you know that's how McDonald's gained its wealth and if you look at um how you know how the the biggest investors and you know the most successful businessmen you know gain their wealth? A lot you know very often it's through real estate investments and you know because you know long term appreciation of of property far outweighs any type of you know potential risks that you know that that other investments you know you know. Alternative
0: investments would have. Okay, like our former president, right? He made his money through real estate. Oh yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, don't have But let me just ask this quick one. Um sure. So with, so you said the real estate is the, is the best investment, right? So in the long
3: run,
1: in the
0: long, in the long run, run, right? Which yeah, makes sense. And you,
3: you
0: can, you can yeah. live in it too, right? You can't live on mutual funds and stocks, so. Why is it, because, you know, know, we're all accountants here. So, you know, when I look at stock, let's say Amazon stock or Microsoft stock, I mean, I know that they're all based on financials, right? Like, that's my work, right? I work on the financials of of, uh, one of the companies that I mentioned. So why, what is this question? Is like, why is real estate value tend to go up? You know, like, that's is you know, because I know stock market goes up and down. It's down right now. It was up like a few months ago. But real estate seems to be like, what is driving that value? What is, you know, yep. yeah, what is determining? So
3: that
1: That's a great question. So in, in the simplest terms, um, real estate value, um, you can look at it in terms of supply and demand, like any like any product or good. Um, you know, you have a certain amount of inventory, which are houses that, People are looking for, and you have in the market, you know, the sellers. You know, that's the they're supplying the inventory, and then you also have the demand, which are the potential buyers. So what we're seeing, you know, and um, we'll probably get into this a little bit later in this call, but what we're seeing in this past year is you have, you know, a lot of a lot of buyers putting demand on uh, limited inventory. So um, You know, so you're basically seeing, you know, competition for these fewer houses, and that's very easily what's driving up the price. So when people are saying that, oh, that the housing is overheated. Well, if 10 people out of, you know, in a room of 10 are willing to pay that same higher amount, it's very hard to argue that it's overheated. I mean, one person may sit it out and say, you know, because that's, they might say that's not the price for me. Well, the market is determined by a price that's agreed on by a seller and a buyer. So if ten buyers are willing to pay a certain amount, you know, of course only one can get it. but um, you know when ten seller ten buyers are willing to pay a certain amount that a seller is willing to sell it at, that is the market price. So it's um, it's hard to argue that it's overpriced at that point. I mean,, you know, it might make you happy because you're not spending the money, but um, if this market is anything like last year's, the housing prices at the beginning of the year are going to seem cheap compared to at the end of the year. And, you know, well, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. 20 but um, they were saying at the beginning of last year that, that ho- high pr- housing prices are overheated. You know, I'm going to wait this out, but um, but the question is, how long are you willing to wait? I mean, are you willing to wait ten years for a down market or are you willing to wait five years when you need a place now? So it really depends on what your needs are and you know, how long you're willing to wait. Uh, there's no question. At some point, the price of houses will come down, but it's not going to come down to, you know, 2007, 2007 levels or 2008 levels, um, not for a long, long time.
2: And uh, <clears throat> So you were talking about uh, value, and we, we we're kind of starting this conversation on investing, and and I kind of want to stay on this path, but you were talking about how you know you value homes and things like that, um, or you were starting to speak on that, and I and so my question is, in your personal, when you're assessing a home, mm-hmm. um, what 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 is your maybe top three things that add the most value to that home for you, whether you're looking, uh, and I'll say this in the perspective of uh somebody who was purchasing a home sure yeah
1: so so top three, top three things easily that will stand out um lighting kitchen and bathrooms and flooring so these are these are the things that you know when you walk into a house um whether you do it consciously or not um you're noticing these things
3: Mm.
1: um even if you're only spending 15 seconds walking through a kitchen you know, to go from the hallway to the living room, you've already noticed whether the kitchen has been updated or not. And in the back of your mind, you're comparing this to what's been done to other houses, maybe the house next door. So these are, these are the top three things that easily will make a, an immediate impact. And, um, you know, doing those alone will not add value to a house. However, mm-hmm. doing those, absolutely, you'll get the largest, you know, as a seller, you'll get the largest return, you know, as opposed to if, you know, if you added a, a 10 person hot tub in the backyard, um, yes, it might look nice, but who's going to be looking for that when they're looking for really a, a three bedroom house, right? So, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice to have,
2: That's a good um, point.
1: but it could actually detract from the value as opposed to, uh, you know, a completely remodeled kitchen with quartz countertops um larger cabinets a uh, huge island um things like that are hard to notice or you know they're hard not to notice
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so that's you know that's those are the three things that i would i would say um you know add the most value to a house
0: Nice. uh i just wonder I'm, when you're talking about it and that's is kind of like maybe an add-on to ricardo's question
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know they always say location 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 with real estate right how important is location
1: Uh, Location is location is everything Um, you know, when we think about location in in northern Virginia, um, the conversation pre COVID used to be the further away you get from DC, then you can buy more for the house. uh, You know, and you'll get more space. Um, However, the commute is going to be tremendous. So it's a huge trade off. What's interesting in in the past year, you know, year, year and a half, is with COVID, as we've learned to work in a virtual workforce, work from home, um, what's interesting is, you know, people are working from, you know, they're working from home, sometimes permanently now, and it is changing the landscape in terms of, you know, we, we had talked about supply and demand. People are now willing to move further and further away from the traditional focal points, Arlington, D.C., so what's happening is we have places further and further away, like Loudoun County, um, Loudoun County, Winchester, Warrington, um, Stafford, Fredericksburg, places that for a long time, you know, were considered too far from DC. Well now people can work from DC, you know, they can work from home and they're they're buying houses you know, further and further away from DC. And what does that do to the the pressure, you know, the price of houses? Um, as more and more demand, you know, comes for these houses, it's putting upward pressure on the houses. So more so than, more so than um, you know, even parts close to DC.
0: So do you do you recommend that? Because in you know in finance, right, stocks, we say uh, buy low, sell high, right? Is that does does that rule also apply in real estate? It's you know
1: I, I think that that rule applies for a good financial sense. Um, See, so mm-hmm. everyone's going to try to buy low sell high but when you it's like timing the market you know you um you try to time you know you try to time when a house is cheapest but if you buy a house when it's the cheapest um is there going to be demand for it when when it's time to sell so those are the kind of things you have to think about you have to think longer term um and who's gonna who's gonna be able to predict where interest rates are and you know what the purchasing power of you know of one individual has the same income, um, who's trying to buy a house when interest rate changes, and suddenly their purchasing power changes. So when you try to time things like that, uh, you know it can be very tricky. So my recommendation would be think longer term. What you know, um, what are you looking for? How long are you looking to be in this house? So um, you know, and if and if. If your answer is a shorter period of time or you're not even sure if you want to stay in the area, then stay out of real estate. You know, you can always rent. That's always an option. Um, but if you're staying longer term, so, for example, five to seven years and longer than seven years, uh, one easy way to look at it is you could be paying for someone else's mortgage for seven years. Whereas would you rather be paying your own mortgage for seven years? Um, you know and gaining the appreciation on that house so we had talked about you know appreciation of real estate over time so there's a number of factors you know and you know that's you know the rent versus buy is is always a popular you know it's always a popular debate um especially if you have both options um so one thing that i would recommend people look at is evaluate all your options and again everyone's situation is different so I can't say it's always the best idea to, to buy or it's the best idea to rent. But you know, think about what your needs are. Think about your, your horizon, your timeline horizon. And you know, talk to a good real estate agent um, you know, and you know, let that agent help you decide you know, what your options are and, uh, or discover what your options are. And, and then you can make the decision at that point, you know, what's best for you.
0: Thanks. Uh, you mentioned the uh, interest rates. Can you explain more mm-hmm. about that? What is what is that interest rate? How does that affect the house housing situation? And where is it coming from? Yeah.
1: Sure. So interest rates are are basically when you're buying a house, there are going to be two components used to to purchase the house. One is your down payment. So if you've been saving up money, um, you know and Traditionally, people were thinking that you, I need to save up 20% so they're continuing to save. But in reality, you know, you, you don't need to save 20% you you could save up less than 20% depending on the program. So that's the first component, the cash that you've saved up. The second component is your, you know, whatever you're not putting down in cash for a house, you're borrowing, you know, from a lender and uh, or, or a mortgage lender and. That that part is you know is going to have certain amount of terms, repayment terms, typically 15 to 30, 15 or 30 years are the most popular terms. And it's also going to have a an interest rate, you know, which could be fixed or variable. Um, the most common would be the 30-year fixed. So basically, um, you know, and you can put it into an amortization schedule. I'm borrowing this amount of money at this interest rate. Um, and you can know exactly how much you're going to be paying on a monthly basis so as interest rates change you know as interest rates rise um, for the same amount of income that that an individual has their purchasing power will diminish because basically um, basically with higher interest rates for them to pay out a certain amount of principal plus interest then it'll be a smaller amount because most of that is going to be going towards interest or more and more of that is going to be going towards interest as um,
0: you know as that uh, interest rate rises so is that the government who sets that interest rate like how you know how do we you know how do we determine if it's up or down so
1: the interest rates um typically would be um tip, so interest rates um they they're uh, tied to um the money that the government is lending banks you know and and the amount you know the amount that banks are lending to each other so um, you know and then basically, from there they can determine how much they're they're you know um, willing to lend you know with the amount of cash that that um, lending institutions have um, you know they'll determine um, the interest rates that then they're going to be charging their customers um, so it's it's tied to it's tied to the interest rates that the the banks are having to pay. Um, so that's why, you know, if you see interest rates rise, um, you know, you can expect mortgage interest rates to rise as well.
0: Okay. So what, so what is and the status scope? I heard the, is it true it's low right now? Uh, is it going to go higher? What is the status quo for interest rates?
1: So interest rates are, they're at near historic lows. Um, you know, they have started to rise and, you know, um there's been talk of you know there's been talk of um rising interest rates to combat inflation you've you've heard about uh inflation for just about everything from
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know just about everything from gas prices to food um you know um i wish that our um i wish that our salaries were tied to inflation but
0: um, <laughs> that's
1: not the case unfortunately <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. thanks. I think it's been informative. Mm-hmm. you have anything ricardo
2: yeah <clears throat> um so uh, a little bit and and you already know but a little bit of background um mm-hmm. on my personal situation uh so I purchased a house um mm-hmm. last year around uh mid year and okay. one of the things that we were uh one of the things that was uh you know part of the reason why I purchased this particular home is that we were located close to um, a lot that was going to have construction going on. And I can't remember if they were going to put retail commercial buildings there or if they were going to put um, homes there. I, I genuinely cannot remember at this point or at this moment. Um, and I think, But I think it's homes. And, uh, you know, the idea was that because of that, the value of the home will rise through the years as as that's being built out. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, when you're looking at a property that's maybe gonna uh, appreciate in that value, um, what are the factors? What are what are like the few things that you know? Or sorry, what are the few things that contribute to that um, increase in value, right? Or increase in like uh, price of the home? Because it's not just gonna increase for the sake of it, right? There are things that go on that actually cause that. So, what what would you say those are?
1: The things that cause a home to Like appreciated value. Yep, absolutely. So we again, we can go back to supply and demand. So as there's um, increase in demand for. um, For property, just like um, just like when you were evaluating a house, you you kind of envisioned future development. You saw, you know, you saw more, um, you know, whether it's residential or commercial. um, You saw, you know, more demand in that area. Uh, more traffic in that area Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: absolutely it will affect your the price of houses because that's um, that's demand in that area for the same limited amount of supply. And that's what will drive up a price. Gotcha,
2: Okay.
0: And I think that's pretty interesting how it's really based on concrete dollars, right? Because it's really based on how much was sold. I didn't know that before we started uh, working, uh, David. Mm-hmm. But I think, because, you know, like if you think about it, like in the stock market, it's really what Wall Street says at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, like, well, how is that? Is that really real? You know, like, it's kind of some questions with that. But with real yeah. estate, it's like, yeah, it's like somebody bought this house for this amount. That's how it is going to be, you know? I think that's kind of, that's a, a, I think it's a more simpler and more concrete and a more robust projection, I would say. It is
1: very simple. I mean, people, People can buy real estate on speculation. You know, you can buy a lot thinking that, you know, that developers are going to want it in the future and you might be right. You might be wrong that, you know, that can be speculation. However, um, yes, absolutely. It is, uh, you know, it is an active marketplace where, you know, suppliers and and sellers, you know, suppliers and buyers are meeting in a marketplace, which is, you know, that's, you know. It's very similar to the stock market, where you know, mm. it's the stock prices are you know, they're they're basically a market of, you know, buyers and sellers. Buyers you know, and sellers of, yeah. of that stock. So you know, and in that case, you know, in that case, it doesn't have to be speculation, but it it can be their, you know, their confidence in that particular stock for the future. You know, and that'll determine whether more people are trying to buy the stock or sell the stock.
0: Yeah. Uh- do you know, uh, and things for our listeners, what mm-hmm. is one thing that I heard, and is it's one thing that is encouraged with the the rent and buy debate you're talking about, is the sure. the tax breaks, the tax benefits for owning a house? Can you talk more about that? What can what kind of tax benefits can we get if if we buy a house?
1: So one of the one of the traditional tax benefits, um, and definitely talk to your tax account. You, even though I'm a CPA, I'll say, you know, I've learned in real estate. To you know, wear the right hat as I'm working working with people, and I will advise them to talk to your talk to your tax advisor on what those you know what those breaks may may be. But traditionally, the biggest one was the you know when you're when you're filing your taxes, you can get the standard deduction or you can itemize. Well, if you're paying interest on a mortgage, um, you will get a 1099. Uh, you know. 1099, um, you know, that shows your interest tax form and um, that shows your interest paid over that calendar year. And um, if you're itemizing, that can be a fairly significant, you know, depending on the the amount of your loan. If you have a larger loan, obviously you're paying more in interest, especially at the beginning. But, um, you know, that, you know, if you're itemizing, that can be a great tax deduction. And that's not something that a renter will ever have because they, they don't pay a mortgage. So um, so their rent payment basically goes to their their landlord who is paying the mortgage, and um, you know that in, that you know that can be the uh, you know, the rent versus buy um, debate. Um, basically, you know, um, well, I so I forgot what I was going to say regarding. Um, rent versus the rent versus buy um, debate, but that is you know that is one of the things that you're going to look at.
0: Yeah. You know. Okay, sounds good. I think that's been uh yeah, been really helpful. I think we'll we'll mm-hmm. learn more once we go to this journey. Because uh, context for sure. our listeners, I'm about to buy one. I know Ricardo is about already bought one, so I think that's kind of like our dynamic here. And uh so you Ricardo, what is how's your experience? What do you think about buying a house? Is that-
2: um <clears throat> the experience itself, uh you know, I, I think it was kind of exciting. You know, it was my first home ever. Uh I you know, I had a few plans with what I wanted to do with this home, whether it's gonna be keep it, and turn it into a rental property or uh sell it, move out with my life, so on and so forth. How long would I live here? You know, all those things. So, you know, it's exciting in that regard because this was indication of future uh, plans. Um, But I would definitely say that it was very quick. You know, like I said, it took a month and a half to I think, uh, you know, at most to get from beginning to end. And so. It didn't. And and the good thing was, I think I had a good uh, real estate agent because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I never felt rushed and I always, I felt comfortable with my decision from beginning to end. Um, And then the interesting thing is actually towards the end, you know, we had a few complications and uh, through the help of our real estate agent actually, and through circumstances of the seller, um, we were actually able to get the price of our home knocked down by about 10 grand. And so, you know, that, that that was further savings in our pocket. So, Mm -hmm. you know, overall, you know, and I, and I think I just got very lucky that I got a good uh, real estate agent, but I, you know, I think it was a completely, I think it was a great experience. I had no troubles. Um, I enjoy the home I'm living in. Uh, I thought it was, you know, I I think it's going to be interesting journey for you. And I, uh, going to be interesting journey for all of our listeners, but for me, you know, it was, it was nice. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the home buying process and, uh, i'm looking forward to it when uh i go to buy my second home so you know yeah
0: thanks sir (laughs) that sounds it makes me more excited than the journey i'm about to take and my fiance uh speaking of that david uh ricardo kind of brought in a good point about that price negotiation he said he Uh got like ten thousand. like how does that work like i want to so let me explain
2: why my situation because it's 'Cause I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak for you, uh Dave, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna assume that this is a case by case kind of answer. There's no oh, absolutely it is this is the exact way to convince mm-hmm. your seller to to uh knock ten grand off. In this in the market that I was in, uh with the seller, like if this was any other home, the seller would have been like, Fuck off, I can get twenty K more. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't need you to do this. But I was also dealing with um a couple that just wanted to get rid of the home they had had the home so i i sold my home like i said about mid-year last year and if uh for for our listeners that was a very hot time to be uh buying and selling homes and so the the place that this uh that i had bought it was being listed at about 365 and um the couple that was selling it, they were getting divorced, and they just wanted it out of their lives. Well, <laughs> the house, for at that time, had been there for about a month, I would say. Mm-hmm. And at that time, that's way too long. That's that's that. Mm-hmm. This is an ancient home, based on that kind of market, uh, back in June. And so we were at the finish line, Sancho. You know, we were. We just needed to sign the last forms, and the home would have been mine. And he, you know, they would have had their check. But we had a complication where our bank was saying we're not going to cover the, uh, the difference, right? They, they, they said it was valued at 365. The bank said it was valued at 355. Um, sorry, 356. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they weren't going to give up more. So we were like, listen, I don't know what are we going to do. What do you guys, you know, uh, what can we do here? And so my, uh, real estate agent was like, let me just talk to them let me just see what they say. And then we'll see what will happen. And he calls me later and he was like, listen, they agreed to knock off, uh, the 10k um they took off some some sales clause items that they had already had on it they took they got rid of those um so that i could get this and then i was able to purchase a home for less and get it completely paid for by our bank but uh yeah so i i would like to say i'm not gonna speak for dave but uh that there's there's no surefire way to do that i think i just got lucky and uh but i'll see what dave has to say
0: Oh, but wait, uh, before yeah. Dave says something there, I just want a follow-up question with you, uh, Dave, uh, sorry, Ricardo. So what do you mean by that, like, the bank only wants to pay 350 Like,
2: So what happened with my particular bank was they had an appraisal value that they came up with. So part okay. of the home buying process, and you'll learn this, is there's an appraisal process, and uh, it's to see what the value of the home is. And so when the bank sent their appraisers in, uh, they valued the home at a different price than what mm. the seller was selling it for because um, I could list this home for five hundred K, but if the bank finds that this home's only valued at three fifty five, I don't I'm not gonna speak for that particular bank, but they may go, why the hell would I give you hundred K more than this home's even valued at? You know, where's the incentive there? Okay. So, you know. But
0: Okay, so yeah, David, go ahead. Talk about- oh, no,
1: that that's um that's a great experience, Ricardo, and congratulations. Um, you know, that is a great experience and um and things like that happen So if you think about this environment where the price of houses is really, really appreciating and um, the price of the house at the end of the year makes the price of the house, that same house at the beginning of the year seem cheap. Um, Think about how the appraisals have been going throughout the year um, where appraisals are basically based on comparative houses of closed transactions. So that's the um, very often what's causing that shortfall. So, When when you're putting an offer on a house um, and if you're putting less than, you know, um, less than 20, you know, less than 20 or 30 or 40 percent down. um, The the bank or the lender is going to want to know, you know, in the event that you can't pay your mortgage, um, I'm going to take the house as collateral. Well, is the house going to, you know, is the house actually there? Is there something actually that I'll be able to sell afterwards? You know, mm-hmm. um, so that's why an appraisal is important. You know, the bank's gonna want, um, the bank is gonna want something close to, you know, the value of the sales price. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully for the buyer, it'll appraise at or above, you know, the sales price that you're offering on the house. Um, but what'll happen sometimes is, you know, there will be a low appraisal, and in the event of a low appraisal, and a good realtor will explain to to their buyer client that sometimes a property will appraise lower and based on that uh, we can talk about it even before we put in the offer what might happen in the event of a low appraisal so you know um if it appraises 10k less or 50k less sometimes 70k less what do we do in each of those situations right and um what will happen is um you know, the buyer and seller, you know, the buyer will have the option if there's a what's called a financing contingency, um, you know, meaning that, you know, if it only appraises for a certain amount, then the buyer will have certain options. Um, They can either, and Ricardo, this was also um, the situation that you were in. You could have, you know, offered more money to come back to the sales price. Mm -hmm. Um, The buyer and seller could agree on a new sales price. Um, uh, which could be somewhere in between, or they could come down to you know the new price agreed upon price could be um, what it's appraised at, which is that's the amount that the bank, based on their appraisal, is willing to lend out. So um, so that's where an appraisal is important. But um, you know those are the different options that anytime there's an appraisal, those are going to be the different scenarios, you know. If it appraises for higher than the sales offer price, it's a non-issue because you know the you're only gonna be putting down however much you agreed to put down and the bank will will finance you know the amount that they said they would finance. However, if it appraises low, then there's gonna be a situation where the bank is only willing to finance a certain amount and there's gonna be a shortfall to get back to the sales price. So that's the conversation that, you know, in a good in a good relationship, uh, you know, working with a good realtor, they've had these conversations with you even before you put in the offer. So, yeah. you know, they're, um, you know, they're walking you through the different potential scenarios. So that when this happens, you know, um, because what will happen if the seller doesn't agree and the buyer doesn't agree to change the sales price, and the the lender is only going to lend a certain amount, then what will happen is they won't finance, you know, you, you won't be able to finance the entire amount of the transaction, you know, at the sales offer price. Right. So and that will kill a deal. So and if you have a financing contingency, the buyer does have the option to walk away. However, it also means that the buyer doesn't get a house,
0: you know, right. unfortunately. Okay, uh, that's really helpful. I didn't know those kind of, system. and I have another question very similar to that, sure, so I was just thinking about it, right? Like we talk yep. about the wonderful kitchen and the bathroom, so right. you know, and we'll probably discuss this when we start touring, but uh-huh. one thing that I you know, and I won't know this, and I think no one will really know this, but when we start going to house, I'll be like, okay, how's the roof? How's the plumbing? you know what I mean, and is is that part of the home buying process to have like an inspection to to check you know what I mean like what if I start living there and then the pipes start bursting, you know, what I mean, that's like a, how, how can you, ins- you know, make sure the, the, the thing works, you know, the house works, the yeah, quality that, that's of it. A,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's a wonderful question. And, um, Ricardo, I, I'm going to guess that you had a home inspection on yours.
2: That's correct.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. So let me tell you what the majority of trans you know, a good majority of transactions in the Northern Virginia area look like. Um, mm-hmm. so in, 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 Let's talk about a normal situation, you know, before the, um, you know, before the seller's market environment, you know, which is if if we can call it that for the past, you know, year, year and a half, two years. Um, in a normal environment, you know, a buyer wants to buy a house and, you know, they'll also put in a home inspection um, contingency, meaning that, you know, they've offered to buy the house, but they're also going to do a home inspection typically within, you know, the first seven days. The, the seller is going to want it to happen quickly, um, and within those first seven days, you know, the buyer, you know, and the and the buyer's agent have lined up a home inspector to go through the house. The home inspector will, in general, you know, based on his or her experience, you know, give a very very good overview of, you know, in their experience, you know, of looking at. Looking at uh, hundreds of houses, um, the condition of the house, you know, for for the major things such as the roof, the HVAC, the you know, um, and it'll be it'll basically be the functional things, you know, the HVAC, the, the um, water, you know, um, are things running properly. Um, you know, the, the home inspector is not going to look at things like crown molding or how fancy the kitchen is. Um, it, it's more the the basics, you know that um, you know that every property should have and is contractually obligated to include you know um, you know Um, so that's a normal situation and then based on that home inspection there can be you know if you have the home inspection contingency there are different ways to have a home inspection you can do it with negotiations so that's the traditional you know our home inspector came through and found these 20 items and we you know we want we want a um, reduction in price for these ten items, or we want these ten items um, you know repaired by a um, licensed contractor. You know, so that that's your you know that's your traditional home inspection. Another another way you can do a home inspection is void only. So it'll be um, it'll be a little more risky to the buyer because it's either just a yes or a no so the home inspector comes through and they'll say you know x y and z needs fixing and the seller is not going to necessarily fix it but you know unless it's a lender required repair however the buyer is going to say yes i'm going to move forward or no um you know i'm, I'm backing out, um and it'll be accepting it at the sales offer price so there's no negotiations there, um, you know. And so that's another way you can do a home inspection. Um, you know, it's a, a little more uh, favorable towards the seller because you're the buyer is not negotiating anything. Um, you know, however, it's it's still a home inspection. You know, which is something the buyer might want. Now, uh, let me tell you what the majority of transactions last year looked like. Um, There's 10 buyers looking for the same house. They wanna put in offers on the same house. Um, It just hit the market. Um, Five of them are asking for home inspections. Five of them are waiving the home inspection. They're saying, I want this house no matter what. From a seller's perspective, think about it. They have 10 offers in front of them. Which ones are they gonna be accepting? Ones with home inspections or ones without home inspection? of course they want the ones waiving the home inspection so what what happened last year was if you were a buyer that that was looking for a uh desired property and and you wanted a home inspection because you know that's the traditional way that people remembered buying houses for years and years um you you're free to do that however um you shouldn't expect to win an offer you know for someone offering the same amount but also waiving a home inspection. So it's adding, it added more risk to the buyers, but it also meant that that buyer got the house over, you know, especially the five who were asking for a home inspection. And what would happen sometimes is after the transaction closes, you know, a month later, the very next day you can line up a home inspector to go through the house and maybe they found $5,000 worth of repairs, but guess what? You've already got the house. And those nine other buyers who, you know, either you know, waived the home inspection but offered a, you know, not as favorable terms, or especially the, you know, the five that wanted a home inspection and were adamant that they're not buying a house without a home inspection, they very typically went to the bottom of the pile because you know it was more risk for the seller, more more chances for the buyer to either get a, you know, offer a lower price or even back out in some cases. So when you're waiting the home inspection, there is not an opportunity to back out because that, that contingency is not there. So um, to Ricardo, that's um, it's excellent that um, you were able to get that in, um, you know, and just with your situation, I, I could already envision, um, you know, you, you were in a perfect opportunity to, to offer uh, not only a better price, but also um, when you did the home inspection, uh, when the, the appraisal was done, those were additional opportunities to, again, adjust the price and, yep. you know, and it's an, agreed up, it's an agreed upon price for the buyer and seller. So uh,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you experienced all of that and, uh, you know, congratulations on getting a great house. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful experience when all of that happens smoothly. And at the end of the day, you know, the buyer and the seller are basically working towards getting a transaction completed. So um, when you talk about a real estate transaction, um, the best transactions are the ones where the buyer is happy and the seller is happy that, you know, that the seller was able to sell and the buyer was able to buy.
2: So so I, I definitely agree with you there. And I actually want to speak a little bit about my experience with uh, having my home inspected and just something for you to consider, Mm -hmm. Sancho, as you go through the home buyer process and for our listeners as well. One thing you need to think about when you have a, Uh, home inspector come in is you also need to consider when they're coming in. So consider this. When we were having our homeowner do his thing, this was in June, so this was in about the summertime. Um, Beyond that, it started to get a bit more rainy as we started to hit the fall. Well, one of the things that we didn't know until it started raining and one of the things that our inspector couldn't catch just because it was sunny out was there was a a small leak from our neighbors that would get into our house and so the fortunate thing is it was a quick fix but he could not have caught that or and he didn't we actually had no idea but he could not have caught that um because it wasn't raining so there was no way to see that there was that leak that was coming in and so uh like i said we were fortunate enough to get that um addressed but that's just something to consider that although inspections are awesome and they're super valuable actually you'll be impressed by the uh quality of the work some of these inspectors can do, um ours was pretty great, I thought uh it's not all encompassing there's just some things they just can't catch based on weather elements or or just particular elements of the house right uh, absolutely yeah
0: yeah is that uh that's part of the closing costs, right the... no so that no. so um
1: the home inspector is going to be another um, so in addition to in, in addition to your closing costs. Um, that'll be something that's going to come out of pocket typically for uh for the
2: buyer at okay. the buyer's expense yep,
1: yep. So, so the buyer to state. set aside
2: okay right and you got to have that cash ready on hand to pay that guy so but yeah right. that comes out of your pocket
0: yeah uh quick question david uh sure so is is that uh you meant you keep talking about last year right so do you think this year uh-huh. is still more a seller's market or buyer's market how's the market situation right now
1: Uh, Can you guys see me? Yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: so how's the situation right now? Um, Just just one example of what the market is looking like. Um, I'm working with, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work with a cash buyer right now. um, Million dollar cash buyer. We are looking at million dollar houses. Um, So so what is the market looking right now? Um, How is the market looking right now? We are looking at um, very well desired houses with nice upgrades. In nice neighborhoods. Um, for two, two houses in a row now, we've had um, my client was eyeing coming soon properties, which is, uh, Ricardo, did you, um, you're, you're aware of coming soon?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yep. Mm-hmm. So, c- coming soon means that within three weeks, it's going to be hitting the market in MLS. Um, you know, and, and it can be no longer than three weeks. So, 21 days is the longest it can be listed as a coming soon. Well property can be listed as coming soon. Um, We were scheduled to see those once they were. You know, scheduled to go active. Well, what happened with my million dollar client um, is. These properties suddenly disappeared, so it went from coming soon to all of a sudden. There's an offer on it and and it it, and a ratified offer. So how does that happen? there's only one, you know, there, there's only a few ways that that can happen. One of one of the ways is the, the buyer put in an offer in what what's called sight unseen, which is it's highly risky for the buyer, but this is $2 million properties in a row that just disappeared that from coming soon to the next moment within 24 hours. It's off the market because it had an it had a um, desired offer that that uh, the sellers were happy with, and they decided to move forward with that offer, sight unseen. So the buyers hadn't seen the house yet, they hadn't gone through the house, they hadn't done the traditional things oh, oh. that you're thinking of when people decide to buy a house, and yet they still submitted an offer. So um, what type of market is it gonna be like? Um, for for the well-desired, for the most desirable houses, um, in my experience, that's what it's gonna look like. Um, through the rest of this year again. Um, what will change that? You know, um, keep an eye on the changing interest rates, which um, most projections are that interest rates will be rising. So um, what will that do to you know, the price of houses? I think, you know, I think what's going to happen is, instead of having 10 buyers or 20 buyers looking at a house, it might only be three buyers or five buyers looking at that same house. Um, because of interest rates um, you know and you know there's still going I think the demand for houses is still going to outpace the rise in inflation so um, it's just something you know if you're planning out your year um, you know anything related to real estate that that would be my projections uh, and based on my experience from last year going into this year I I see a continued trend of um, you know the very Pro seller markets, um, but however, as as Ricard- in Ricardo's experience, um, there can be houses, and it it um, you know the price of a house is really dependent on the condition of the house, right? So um, for Ricardo's house, that's you know that that same house, if they had decided to list it um, forty or fifty thousand less, the house would have been off the market in a day, not you know not a month. So um, you know. Any house will sell, but it has to be priced based on the condition you know at that time in the market so it's just something to keep in mind but um, you know the best thing you know the best way to approach uh, a very strong seller's market like this is um, you know be very um, be very flexible in what you're open to you know even if you start out with a very very specific search you know you you need X, Y, and Z in your search, and it has to have, you know, it has to have a certain size yard. Um, be a little bit flexible because, you know, with low inventory, as you, you know, as you expand your uh, what, you know, what you would find acceptable, um, you're also going to increase your options, and you know that could could mean a better deal for you that you would not have seen otherwise. So, yeah. you know, just be flexible in what you're willing to accept. Um, and you might find you might end up finding the perfect house that was a little bit different from what you envisioned at the beginning of your search
0: okay yeah thanks david uh we're actually pretty much wrapping up uh i think okay. we'll just go with final thoughts sure uh, do you have any final thoughts ricardo david actually i got,
2: I, I i got oh. one more question i did okay. want one sure. um, yeah, and i'm i'm thinking i don't think it'll be a long uh, a long uh, response on your part so hopefully we'll be able to wrap up pretty soon sure. but I wanted to ask this just for, for I know a lot of people are likely looking at first or second homes, but maybe we have one or two people like me who may be interested in investing in uh, real estate. Um, that's something that they do. So I wanted, so I was curious and I asked, I, you know, I was asking a, a friend of mine who <clears throat> who owns a couple uh, properties. But yep. I was asking, you know, if, if you want to. Um, so there were two things I wanted. I asked there actually, but the first one was: if you want to get into the business of buying properties, should you have an LLC and through which you conduct this business, or is it just fine if you do it under your own name? Is that something uh, you can speak on, or because I don't want to start getting too much into the financial well, advice piece, because I don't yeah. want to start getting I'll in say, murky yeah. waters. But
1: I'll say, talk to your tax advisor. Talk to your, um, you know, talk to your really t- talk to your tax advisor. And it really depends on what you want to do. Um, I actually formed an LLC for my real estate business, um, you know, at the end of last year. So I'm going into this year with a brand new LLC um, that I am operating under. So, um, you know, I'm still still operating as David Morales, you know, realtor. However, um, for the purpose of of legal transactions, um, you know, I'm organized under, you know. I've separated my business and personal. So, so my, you know, transactions from my business are not flowing through onto my personal tax returns.
2: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Yep. Um, so yes, I would say, I would say it's something to think about down the road. Um, but in terms of, you know, in terms of, you know, as an investor, um, one of the things that I can say, um, that you're going to want to look at is, um, Take a look at how much equity, you know, because when you bought a house, you, you've actually leveraged your money because, you know, you're, you're, you know, in many cases, you're putting much less than 100% down or 50% down. Um, so you're borrowing some. So, so we, we know about leveraging your money and making your money work for you, especially, right. you know, especially in a market where, you know, interest rates are, are at, you know, two and a half, three and a half percent. It will now closer to three and a half percent. But um, in that market, um, you know, you can invest your money and, and gain something more than, for example, the stock market over time. It's gonna average more than three and a half percent over time. Um, and you can put your money there for thirty years. Um, and you know, and you're basically uh, leveraging your cash. So what happens, you know, over time is you're starting to pay down, you know, pay down your mortgage. You're gaining what's called equity in your house. And that equity, you know, that's, it's tied up in your house. However, that equity can be used, you know, again, to finance, you know, you, you know you can be, it can be used to finance the purchase of another house. Um, so you can do that as long as you're not over leveraged where, you know, um, you know, you have too much debt. And
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, so, you know, you get, that's something you can think about. But always, you know, always talk to a lender. Who's going to run projections and let you know you know they they know the debt to income ratios they know how much income you need to buy a certain you know and you're going to have a, a target property um, that they can help you focus on and uh, you know based on you know based on your plans and your assets and liabilities that um, at that point in time they'll be able to tell you will you be able to purchase another house so mm-hmm. that's the basics of investments um, right. You know, when you're when you're doing this, you're, you're doing these same activities over and over, but um, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to finance, um, you know, everything at 80 percent. You know, you will you know, and you can't do that until, you know, you can't do that if your previous house, um, you know, you, you only have 20 percent or 10 percent equity in it. Um, you, you have very little equity to purchase another house. Otherwise, you just need more cash, um, which not everyone has.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right.
0: Very good. Very good. All right. So you have any final thoughts, anyone? And
2: um, our podcast up as the guest, feel free to go first.
1: Yeah. No, I, I just want to say thank you guys again for inviting me, um, you know, to be a guest on your show to talk about real estate, which uh, I I know is, you know, is on many, many people's minds. And um, people are free to reach out to me if they have any questions, you know, um, reach me through Sancho or Ricardo. Um, They can reach me at 703-625-1592. And, you know, just like this, you know, just like this uh, public discourse, ask me any questions that are are on your mind. I'm very transparent. um, And I'd love to answer your questions and, you know, help people think about real estate, um, you know, no matter you know mat- no matter what their timing is but um you know real estate is more than you know and, and Ricardo you saw this as you went through the transaction it's more than just the lender or the the, the real estate agent it's really the whole team so it's you mm-hmm. know it's the the lender it's the the home inspector it's the appraiser it's you know um there's a lot that goes that goes into it and um you know it's why it's so important to have that, you know, that right team working for you, you know, and it's, you know, it's a great lender, having a great lender, having a great agent um, and keep searching until you, you're you comfortable that you found that that right lender and that right agent. So, you know, and that's just the beginning of the team. And then there's home inspectors. And then if you have um, other parts of a house, like for example, septic or, you know, some of the more unusual, you know, properties, you know, um you'll need you'll need team members in those areas as well so um you know real estate is very very involved and the ones who would best be able to put those teams together are the people who see real estate day in and day out and not just you know once every few years
2: yeah um i want to just say uh first of all once again uh thank you for for talking to us i i learned a lot um and i'm i'm sure sancho did as well and uh you know i appreciate your time you know i thought this was a great session um and i'm hoping our listeners got a lot from this and i think they did or i think they will
0: yeah thanks ricardo thanks david yeah uh thanks again david uh i'm really excited to for this journey we're about to take i as a first whole future or first time home buyer with my fiance. i to be honest, I always thought this was more complicated than I thought when mm-hmm. I had a call with David and they explained it to me. It's probably mm-hmm. more David being a good explainer, but it was like, oh, it's actually not as complicated. At the end of the day, just buying a house and you're gaining gains for it. Uh, invest. And it's. A, it, I mean, I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's a win-win, right? It's. It's. A, it's. A, it's an investment you can party in. It's an investment you sleep in. It's an investment you have dinner with your family in. Mm-hmm. so I think it's. It's really great. Uh, yeah. So just wrapping up. Our podcast. I think so far this is going to be our longest episode so far. Okay. Uh, it's going to be great because we will have productive sessions. So once again, my name is Sancho, our host Ricardo, and our guest David Morales. You can reach us at public discourse podcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. So just search us at public discourse. You can like us. And finally, I just want to repeat David's number. If you want to call him, talk to him, if you decide to finally get into real estate, uh, his number is 703-625-1592. So repeat it, 703-625-1592. So I want to say thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful morning, evening, and have a good night. Bye. Thanks. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thank you.